Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on? Raps on TV here to talk the best things in boxing. Packed, packed agenda as per usual. Packed show. Uh, looking forward to getting into this week's topics. Um, I'm here with my co-host as per usual, Mr. Tom. How you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you, coach. Like you said there, a packed agenda this week. I mean, as we, we draw closer to Christmas, things you'd expect to be uh, dying down in the boxing world, but things seem to really be igniting, and we've got some massive, massive shows coming up uh, to, to, dive, to dive into. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think uh, you hit the nail on the head there when you talk about uh, massive shows, and I think um, it kind of kicked off um, a couple of weeks back, or nearly a month ago, but um, I think we're following up with another action-packed uh, fight uh, being headlined this week by uh, by Mr. Regis Progress and Josh Taylor. So um, looking forward to getting into that. Um, guys, the topics this week's will be, um, we're going to go over the B2Bev, uh, Better Beef versus Gavodzic fight, which took place last Friday. Um, good, uh, really a fight fan uh, friendly uh, fight. Uh, fight. Um, definitely one, um, not necessarily for the history books, but one that is going to say, you know what, sets that light heavyweight division um, a light because he's a tough competitor, competitor Bertabev. Um, uh, what else? Obviously, the weekend we had the uh, matchroom show headlined by Ritson and Davis Jr., but I think really everyone was kind of eyeing the clash between Fitzgerald and Cheeseman, which went down, uh, to be fair, it was a good fight. Um, um, so looking forward to getting into that. Um, and then this weekend, Tom, you want to just go into this weekend's fight? that um so yeah so um obviously we've got Derek Chisora versus David Price which is another interesting clash uh looking forward to that kind of a uh, strange dynamics in between those two in terms of where they're at in their career then you've also got Ricky Burns taking on Lee Selby again another good um potential clash in terms of um I don't want to say a senior Ricky Burns but a man that's been through the tank trenches and Lee Selby is looking to revitalize his career in this new division so looking forward to seeing that um and of course don't forget we've got Coley um, taking on um, Ngabu for that European cruiserweight. Exactly. So, definitely a lot of action. Nonetheless, we've also got the Conor Ben and, and the likes, um, Shannon Courtney and Austin Williams. But I think uh, no better place to start really than probably the last weekend. Um, 
Better be versus Gavodzic. Um, what did you make of that fight, Tom? Brutal. I mean, a lot of people said that Gavodzic was the uh, the, the favourite, um, obviously, with what happened with uh, Adonis Stevenson. And I know, again, it's another kind of mellow topic that, that we'll come on to a little bit later. But um, I think in terms of the fight, it really it really did kind of show how fearsome uh, Artur Baterbiev is um, and, and really showed, you know, that this guy is probably doesn't get the credit he deserves as a champion. Really concussive power um, seemed to really dictate the pace of the fight you know from the opening bell Gavozic didn't really look in himself um, he looked a little bit uh, cumbersome at times I thought Betabiev was really able to, to push him back uh, on the back foot more more than anything and really just not allow him to do anything not allow him to really engage at times and I think just Betabiev with his sheer his sheer power just walked him down um wasn't afraid to take a shot and really dish out punishment and obviously the stoppage came probably uh, when we expected um, when Batabia really goes through the gears he seems to to really put, put a hole in these in these uh, light heavyweights and again now no one can really argue that he's not the top top light heavyweight at the moment you know you've got Kovalev who's going to uh, take on Canelo you've got Bivol who again is another champion that really is yet to prove himself against the elite, whereas I think Baterbiev really now, with a win like Gavozic, you can't really argue that on his resume, you know, a really, really good win. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I think kind of what you said, just to echo that, I think from early, um, you kind of saw um, the strength of, of Gavozic, I mean, obviously, um, sorry, Baterbiev, I think Gavozic got was unlucky with sort of like the early first knockdown, which was really much more of a shove, um, and a push than it was uh, from a punch. Um, I think he, that that kind of hit him. But I think overall, it just kind of showed um, the power that Bertabiev holds. I thought he'd done some really nice work, um, especially in the later rounds, um, which just took its toll. Um, you, I think probably everyone's heard the Andre Ward comments about working the body, but it was kind of one glaringly obvious that he was able to just connect um, um, going to the body, whether it was... Um, the big right, um, or whether it was just kind of like a punch on the or right on the middle of the chest. So um, I think um, it was it was it was a good performance. Um, I think you're right when you, again you look at that division. You think Bivol, who just fought not too long ago. Um, you know, you think you're looking at it um, and you're saying, you know, will these guys be able to be matched up? Um, again, that's where the two promotional companies will come into play and, and we'll see how that works on that side. Um, but I think um, there's no probably uh, no better time um, after kind of a quick summary of that. If we move on to our guests, and uh, um, Tom, as you said, um, uh, we are we will be speaking today with uh, Austin Ammer-Williams, a new uh, signee of the Matchroom stable, um, who's made quite a name for himself, not just by um, his, 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 his power in, in terms of the chaos that he's got. Um, he's also been touring the UK. A lot of you would have seen um, him with uh, Eddie Hearn last weekend on a private jet going up to Newcastle. Um, and he's fought in some big arenas so early in his career. So, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Amo Williams to the show. Hello. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Amo Williams. How you doing, sir? Hey, you well? All good. Tom, do you want to lead? Yeah, yeah very, uh, very well. Amo, it's a pleasure having you uh, you on the on the platform. Uh, again, welcome to the UK. It's, uh, it's good to see you back on 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 uh, this side of the shore. And I'm sure you... Uh, how, how's, how's the overall experience been so far, being over in the UK, being 
being greeted by the fans um, on, on fight week where we edge close and out the Saturday night. It's been amazing, man. Um, everything was backwards when I first got here, of course. I'm sure you hear that from Americans all the time. And uh, the weather, you know, it's kind of cold right now. But the, and the food is different. Everything is different. But the thing about it is I didn't come here expecting it to be like America. I didn't want it to be like America because it's my first international trip. I wanted it to be different. I wanted to experience something new. And I got a lot of new things. And I've seen a lot of sites. I got to do a tour with Matchroom. They showed me, you know, the London Bridge. I drove by the uh, palace. And, you know, I've seen a lot of things here. And not only that, I've... I, I, I'm three and zero. I'm a three and zero fighter, but the UK fans treat me like I'm a world champion, man. I'm telling you, I was at my um, down in East London by Victoria Park. I was getting stopped by fans. I didn't even know newly. Then I went to uh, Novotel Hotel down here uh, in Greenwich, uh, London. I was getting a lot of stops. Uh, people asking for photos, and um, now I'm at the O2 uh, Intercontinental. So. I've got to see a lot of different sides, and not only that, it's my first international trip, and I've been able to be here for weeks. Um, so, you know, it's actually like I'm living in London rather than my first international trip. I'm coming for a week, and I'm going home. So this yeah. has been a great, a great, great life experience. It's brilliant to see, obviously. You know, when we, when we see unbeaten prospects from, from the States come over, really with high regards, and... Uh, you know, obviously Eddie Hearn, uh, Matrim have put a lot of faith into you. They've obviously seen you as uh, their vision for, for, for Matrim USA, but also bringing you over to the UK, experiencing the, the new realm of uh, fans over here, also the uh, the exposure that you're going to get from Saturday night. I mean, what has their reception done for you uh, ahead of Saturday? Has it given you a lot of confidence to, to really suggest that a lot of fans are going to take note of you uh, after, after your win on Saturday? Yes, I mean, um, they put me in a position to elevate. They put me in a position to uh, plant the plant the seed so I can be a true superstar. Not just a world champion, not just a champion, but a true superstar. And this is just another stage, another step, just like what they set me up for in Madison Square Garden, just like what they set me up for in the forum. Um, I know they really believe in me. You know, and they're showing it. And I'm sure everybody can see it now. And actually, um, that fuels me because you you have a standard to live up to. So it's, it's not just, you know, some professional fighters, all, they, all they're thinking about is winning the fight. They're not thinking about planting the seed. They're not thinking about taking a step and, and, and being a superstar. They're not, they don't have any of that pressure on them. So to get up, when it sucks and when they're tired and go run and stuff like that, it's not that big of a deal because they don't have this much stuff on on right in their plate. Me, I have so much that I have to live up to, and it's fun to me because I love to box, and I think that's the way that you become the greatest fighter that you can be, is or the greatest whatever that you are, is being submerged in a in a situation where you have to elevate. I don't have a choice. I have to get better. And not only that, you know, you got to think about it this way. They put me on these stages in front of everybody, right? Yeah. Where everybody can see, right? Right off the right off the jump, right off the gate. Yeah. And they put me on a stage where everybody can see and study. So 
in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I have to get better. I have to come to a fight different. Because if my last fight was viewed by the world, that means everybody can study that ammo, that version of ammo. So can I plateau? Can I peak? Can I say the same? Absolutely not, because people may think that they have a blueprint of me. You know, and that just makes me go harder and and, and more excited to work with world champions and take names from world champions and just continue to elevate myself. They put me in a position where I have to get better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just looking at your your, your record at the moment, I mean, you seem to be uh, creating a name for yourself as a a formidable puncher, 100% knockout ratio. I mean, can we... Can we expect to see another side to you on Saturday? Your skill set, I mean, really showcasing what you've got in terms of your fundamentals uh, to the UK fans, or are you really kind of looking to, again, put on a show with an explosive uh, knockout? I just got my opponent switched, literally today. Um, my first opponent that I had was a 6 and one guy um, from Spain. Never been knocked out before. And that was... That definitely was my intention was to go and put on another explosive performance and show that I could stop a guy who's never been stopped in seven fights. Um, and I now would make my stop rise, you know, and let me really show who I am. Uh, now I got a different guy. He's never been stopped before. He's one in three. Uh, he's a he's a come forward fighter, head down fighter, you know. And, and with a fighter like that, I. Still, I'm going to try to knock them out. And I'm going to use a little bit more skills um, to show a little bit more of my boxing side. Yeah. But that's the beauty of my style, um, which I want to showcase to, on, on Saturday, is that even when I'm boxing, I can box beautifully. And it's still to hurt. It's still to take the guy out. It's still to uh, bloody the guy or whatever. Um, even when I'm boxing. So that's what I want to do. I, I definitely want to go for the knockout. I'm going for the knockout. A lot of fighters are scared to say they're going for the knockout because they think about, hey, what if I don't get it? No, I'm going for the knockout. I am. <laughs> no matter what style the guy is, that's that's what I, I pride myself on, is that I'm trying to create a style that is to knock out everybody. Each style that comes into the ring, I, I make a plan to take them out, but... I just got my opponent changed, and all I got to do is, is go into my back pocket, you know, change a couple things that I thought I was going to do, and, uh, you know, and then also, too, you got to fill him out in the ring and see what he really is like, mm. and then I'm going to find some way to take this guy out. And Hi there, I'm a, um, Austin, it's uh, Kojo speaking here. Um, so, yeah, pleasure meeting you, and again, thanks for coming on to the, uh, onto the podcast today. Um so I guess really just to talk on, you know, you're speaking about the switch of opponents um, and the way you're kind of addressing it. You're still quite calm, not really sort of frustrated, it's, it seems. Um, and I guess does that show um, the kind of, I guess, one, the promise, but two, how you handle such uh, big sort of like tests early in your career? I mean, you fought at MSG, you're about to fight at the O2. Uh, you've also fought in, in, in LA in a big arena. Um, obviously, the, the kind of, promotion that comes with matchroom you know you, you seem to be again handling that quite well um i guess does that show the kind of person we're, we're getting to see in the flesh in terms of the calmness and how i mean do you feel that's a good thing to test to receive quite early in, in your career yes i think that's amazing for me to receive in my career um because in the three years 
that I've been doing it before I turned pro in my fourth year. I was an amateur and I was around professional boxing all the time. My 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 coach is actually a professional coach. He he only had me as an amateur. Now that mm-hmm. I'm not an amateur no more, he doesn't have amateurs anymore. So I was always alongside him with his prof- professional fighters, and I always got to see, hey, you know, the your opponent really isn't set until you step foot in that ring on the night of the fight with him across from you. That's the only time that you have a set opponent. So. When I'm training, every day I wake up, I'm not training for a guy. I'm training for those world championship fights down the line. I'm not training for, you know, exactly these guys that I'm going to fight in my first 10, 15 fights. I'm, I'm training for for the when it's when it's number one and gets number two. Um, time to unify the belts and things like that where I'm fighting guys who have had the same hunger and drive as me. I don't think it's anybody with the same hunger and drive as me, but people who have are close, you mm. know. And so when things like this happen, my mindset is already to be ready for anything. Yeah. I don't get bummed out on a slight change because I know boxing is just so up in the air. If you let little things like that affect you and change you, change your mindset, change your mentality. Like I said, Say I got this new fighter, and, and now my goal has changed because I got a new fighter. That means that my menta- my, my mindset is not that strong. My, mm. my belief in myself is not that strong because you should be able to, well, what I'm saying I want to do is to be able to knock out anybody. If I go and say, oh, I don't want I'm, I'm not going to try to knock him out, I'm not blah, blah, blah. That means I let a slight change change my actual goal, mm-hmm. my actual, you know, you know what I want to do. So you can't let... Yeah, that that does display my calmness and my professionalism. Um, no, that I bring bring to maximum. I yeah. think this is a good test. Definitely, and uh, and I guess you're speaking about that that in terms of your journey and your plan. Um, I think Eddie Hearn recently said that you know in the next two maybe three years he wants to see you fighting for titles. Um, and obviously, whilst you've been in the UK, you sparred with uh, the likes of uh, Callum Smith, or you at least trained with him. Um, I mean, again. When you see, when you hear that, knowing that you know this is a guy that you've won, you know national, you've won Golden Gloves uh, championships locally. Um, you're now on the big stage of MSG and now sparring with world champions at the elite level and potentially, you know, t- fighting for those titles in two to three years. I mean, one, how do you keep yourself grounded in terms of the hard work? Um, but two, how how promising does it feel to you? Um, I keep myself grounded because I never forget what got me here. Um, a lot of people say, oh, he has to be a natural athlete. He has to be born with this ability and X, Y, Z. Yes, I, I do have athleticism. And as you know, thousands of fighters have athleticism, uh, coordination, and things of that nature. Even punching power. We're born with that. A lot of people have it, you know. But my consistency, dedication, working out harder than professionals when I was only two and three months in and 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 making sure I did that extra mile and making sure I jump rope that extra minute and making sure I listened to the fundamentals and didn't get away from it. That's what's responsible for all of this. Mm-hmm. You know? That that is what really is responsible for all of this. And I'm happy because a lot of fighters get a little recognition and they and they start to believe their own hype. You know? 
know, people saying there this and there that, and blah, blah, blah. And then a fighter starts thinking that they can skip a run because they just, this, that good, and X, Y, Z. No, we're all kind of close to the same level. And that's one thing that Barry Hearn said to me. And like, if you heard the interview, I was saying, Barry Hearn reassured me on a lot of things that I already had in mind. Mm. A lot of us are, are pretty close, you know, but what sets us apart is effort and what what we are going to do in our spare time, what we're going to do when we're tired and how focused we are when the crowd when the crowd's not watching and when people aren't patting you on the back saying, great job, you're this, you're that. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. I knew what I was doing. I was in the gym. I was missing parties. I was missing birthday parties with my friends. I was missing going out and drinking. I, I couldn't do any of that for years in my prime years. I started... Uh, well, my prime youth years, I started boxing at 19, 20, 21. That's when all my friends are just discovering alcohol and weed and, and partying and being able to be out on their own and not in their family, parents' house no more and stuff like that. Mm. You know, that's when they, they, everybody's going nuts. Yeah. And I'm sitting in a gym doing something that I don't know. I didn't know two years ago, three years ago, this was going to happen. You know, I had to just go off a vision that that I just had to go off faith. I just had to believe in, in, in something that I couldn't physically see or touch yeah. at the time that I knew I had the potential to do it. So uh, having all this stuff happen to me fast, I, I believe I deserve it, and I believe what makes me deserve it is the hard work. So that's why I, I'll never get away from it, ever. Yeah, no... No, that's that, that's good to good to hear. And again, we were saying, um, you know, you sparred with the likes of Callum Smith, but when you look at your division, um, uh, super middleweight is probably again one of the most kind of stacked division. It's kind of going under the radar, but when you look at the champions um, and you look at the kind of crop that are coming through, um, to see yourself challenging there within the next two years, it must be really, um, again, must be not just promising, but must be really exciting. Another big thing of why, uh, you know, okay. my confidence booster of, of me being able to stay in the ring with guys like Benavidez and Callum Smith is because I'm going to be fighting at 164. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, and I really had to go on the toolbox. I really had to do different things because I'm a, I'm not the, I'm not bigger than those guys, so I couldn't get hit by those guys. I didn't want to sit there and slug. Mm. So I had to really think of, you know, I really had to go into my toolbox and, and, and box them and, and, and you know, yeah. land good shots and capitalize on good shots. But it wasn't, you know, they were bigger. They were a lot bigger, mm. um, which is a risk for me, but but that's the only way that you get great things. So the crop that you should be looking at when you look at ammo and, and potential matchups and stuff is 154, 160. Okay. And I think later on in my life, you know, 30s, when, when, I'm, when I'm really burly and, and a man, you know, like truly just got that tri- triple G type manhood on. Yeah. That's when I most likely move up to 68 because I'm not going to worry about being the, small, the bigger, you know. Yeah. Triple G, you tell he doesn't worry about being the bigger guy in the ring because he just knows his skill so much. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, later on in life, I'm going to go up to 68. Oh, cool. I, I mean, in terms of 164 pounds, you know, things, things are, are really excited at the moment. Um, you must have taken, uh, 
You must have taken a lot of notice of the uh, Cheeseman uh, Fitzgerald fight from the weekend. Obviously, you were up in the North East, uh, greeted by the uh, the Geordie fans. I mean, what was your take on that fight? Um, I think Cheeseman made a terrible adjustment in the fight. Um, he was outboxing Fitzgerald. Um, that was Fitzgerald, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He 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 was outboxing Fitzgerald beautifully. I say the first five to six rounds, and then it was I think in the seventh round, Cheeseman uh, um, stopped and just started. You know, standing in the pocket and going blow for blow with Fitzgerald, which is clearly the style that Fitzgerald wants. And he, and of course, he feels like he's the bigger puncher, so that's that's where he wants to get. You know, and um, it was no rush. It's a twelve round fight where you literally can win on points. And to outbox somebody twelve rounds is probably the easiest way to get that check and that belt. Mm. But he, I guess, he didn't have a discipline, or he. Felt, I don't know. You never know. He may have felt that it wasn't working. He may have felt that he was losing the rounds. His trainers may have felt that. There's a lot of things that go into it. But from me watching ringside, I was very impressed with Cheeseman in the first six rounds. I, I thought that he was going to take it home easily. Mm. You know, and some of the rounds were close, but I had him edging it out just on ring generalship alone. And then when he stopped, and that's the thing, in the middle of a fight, if you stop and you let it turn around and it starts looking like Fitzgerald's fight, now it's going to just seem like Fitzgerald's plan has worked the whole time. Yeah. That It, it takes away from your beautiful six rounds. Now people are going to say, oh, maybe he was just wearing them down. Maybe he was letting them move around. Maybe he was blah, blah, blah. Because what really what matters in the fight is the later half if it goes the distance. You know? The yeah. first three, four rounds, that's kind of throwaway round. Um, it's, it's classical fighters who used to throw away the first couple of rounds just to see what you had, like Julio Cesar Chavez. You know, he wasn't worried about winning the first, second, even third round. He just wanted to see what you had. And then he'll come on and destroy you for the last nine or, or possibly knock you out. I think that's the type of effect that that fight had because Fitzgerald was doing all this beautiful boxing. And towards the end, he's in the slugfest, getting clipped and, and, and looking like he was ready to quit on the 12th round. Yeah. If I was a judge, I would have started. When I seen that, that um, 180, that turn of events, I would have started just, uh, scoring the, the, the rounds for Fitzgerald. Mm. And that's just my honest opinion on the fight. No, we appreciate that. We appreciate that, and um, I guess yeah. So again, you know, again, you're doing the the tour. Um, just talk to us a bit about your stay in London. I mean, I know you've done the sightseeing, but um, I, I, have you been able to sort of like get in touch with any boxing gyms? Where are you training? You know, are you around any fighters at the moment? Uh, I'm, the two gyms that I've been to is Americans Academy. I love that place. You know, for Cal. Mm. And then Peacock, I met a couple of, uh, I met about three or four fighters in Peacock that I got to work with. And, uh, you know, that's the, the United Kingdom has a different style than the United States, but these guys kind of emulated a United States style, which was cool for me to see. Yeah. Um, um, and, and uh, they, they all became my good friends over at Peacock. I mean, that gym was amazing. 
go into their private room and work out and offer their sparring and all types of things. And that's such a beautiful experience where you can go to another country and have the same respect as you have in your own hometown. <coughs> that's beautiful. And I love that. I love the. I love the respect that's you know circulating through the boxing community at all times yeah. because we all know what it takes to be a fighter. And then not only that, all the people who is willing to do interviews. And when I went to Rathbone, I forgot I went to Rathbone to, uh, I got some good interviews with Fight Hype UK. And uh, mm-hmm. I met a lot of media people from, from, from the UK over there. That was really cool. Um, I was doing some, actually, Eddie was laughing. I remember on my first couple of nights here. I was in East London. I was walking around at night, and I was I was talking. I was saying motivational things. But Eddie Hearn sent me a message. He was he was telling me he was like, "Go home, go home." Everybody was like, "Go home." It was funny. And they was like, "Yeah, you're on the wrong side of town." And we were walking around at four o'clock. But um, <laughs> that was a funny little experience. And uh, I mean, it's just been beautiful, dude. My whole trip here has been beautiful. I met so many people. Um. I met a beautiful girl here. Oh my goodness! I love the accent too. Man. <laughs> yeah, go on, go on, elaborate on that. Ammo. Obviously, I've been there, Newcastle. I saw you were you were trying to put across the the, the U.S. charts to the the, the Geordie lasses. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that, you know what, man? It, it was funny. It was thought on camera, but it was initially just supposed to be a compliment. You know, if I see something I like, I see something that. Uh, somebody has that's amazing, like some beautiful eyes. I told him, you know, hey, you got some beautiful eyes. (laughs) But the camera was there, you know, and I'm a showman. So I went in in and had some fun. I was like, you know what? Coogan was there. I actually met Coogan for the first time getting on a private jet. And uh, so we already had chemistry. Mm. Um, And uh, so I just seen the camera and I was like, let me make a play. Let me do something that's going to help the channel. And it was fun. She was a good sport about it and everything, so. It was just, it was just fun, you know. No, definitely, yeah. definitely. That, that that that's 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 really good to hear, and I'm glad that you've enjoyed the stay. And uh, I mean, obviously, the key thing is Saturday night. Um, the career moves forward with another win, no matter who it may be. Um, obviously, you're here to, um, I guess, from a camp perspective. Obviously, support um, your American brother Regis Progray. How's he looking? How's he feeling? And um, sh- how excited should the fans be for this fight this weekend? I've been in camp with Regis for the entire time. And this is the second camp that I've done with Regis. This is the first time that we did an eight-week camp together. I mean, every single, every day we've been together. Mm. And his mentality, his focus, everything is on a different level for this fight. He is, he's working harder than I've ever seen before. And I know this might sound biased, you know. We, we, I'm sure this is what you expect to hear. But I'm being honest. I think it's just more on the line for him. So he's tapped into a different energy. And um, he, he's just looking really sharp, really crisp. And I think what's the, the main thing for him right now is his mental focus. Mm. It, it's sharper than I've ever seen before and also too he's been away from his family he's sacrificed things he's been here he's been in another country he's fighting in front of another fan base that he's never fought in front of this is his first time just like me he's, he's got a lot of stuff to take on he got a statement to be made 
Josh Taylor said a lot of things, you know, uh, where I think that Josh Taylor may be underestimating Regis. Mm. And I'm in the gym with Regis. I'm in the ring with Regis firsthand. I will not take hits from Regis because Regis has the strongest punch size to punching power ratio I've ever felt. And, and for me to say that, and, and I and I pride myself on my punching power. For me to say that says a lot. Regis, his punching power is insane, and yeah. I think a lot of guys might see it on video, and they might see it, um, you know, on highlights, and they might think like, "Oh, this he, this guy wasn't this, this guy wasn't that." Josh Taylor will see, in in the ring when he takes that left hand. You know what? I think that you he has a punching power that you can't get ready for. Mm. And you, you, you can't process it because it's different. It's like a bell ringing power. And uh, um, I don't think Josh Taylor's going to be able to take it. I think yeah. that he's going to get hit by one of those shots and he's going to crumble or he's going to panic or he's going to get knocked out by the first couple shots. And he talked about Regis hasn't fought anybody. If you look at Regis, Oh, it was a lot of times where he was put on, like, in America, it's a thing called Showtime. Yeah. And, and Regis was, was picked to be, like, the under like the underdog, the B-side, yeah. you know? And, and I think that's one thing they looked at him as, like, oh, we, we, his power can't be this, his power can't be that. And he knocked guys out, like, like silly, knocked them stupid. Mm. That, this is real young, undefeated prospects who feel like they can take on the world. It's no doubt when you're in that segment of life or in your boxing career, you're not going to take a dive. You know that every fight is, is, is everything. You know, this is you potentially being champion of the world. So if you get a guy who's knocking prospects out like that, knocking them out silly, then you, you can't really say who have you fought. Yeah. You know, look at who he fought. And uh, now he's stronger than he, he's, he's ever been because he's, he's hitting his prime. And uh, I just don't think Josh Taylor um, is going to have the right adjustment for Regis because it's a difference between somebody who can box really well and it's a difference. The difference comes when you get a fighter who can fight and box. Mm. And when you get a fighter who can fight and box, the, I think that instinct inside of you when you're a fighter allows you to make a lot more adjustments than just a boxer. When you're only a boxer, you, you only have a certain amount of things to do because it's a technical thing. You're technically encased. Yeah. But when you're a fighter, it's just almost like, I got to find a way to get this guy out of here. I'm going to use what I got, and, and then I'm going to improvise on top of that. And that's what I think that Regis has really well. And I think uh, Josh Taylor is not going to be. I don't see Josh Taylor making it through this fight. I see a knockout, man. And, I mean, and Amo, I was going to ask to that point, and obviously I think the number one thing, which is like the elephant in the room, is that typically American fighters come over and they believe to get the decision, they need to go for the knockout. So I guess that sound, it sounds like that's key in um, uh, Regis Progress's thoughts. But I think in terms of the opponents, I think that's when, I, you know, and I say to, to people, for me, this is a very tough fight. It's a close fight. I think the tangibles yeah. you mentioned in terms of a, a, a more known slicker boxer against somebody that can box but can fight can can bring the dog. Um, I think people 
forget that the light that the, their division didn't have much stars. I mean, for a long time it was just Crawford. Um, but I think if you look at the fact that you know Kill Rillick, a guy that progress stopped. Um, he hadn't been stopped before. He was a guy that came in with a decent reputation. In Dongo, again, only stopped by Crawford. No shame in that. So I think sometimes people, when they say, oh, who have you fought? I think you also have to say, well, who is there to fight? Who is there that's going to make you yeah. ultimately always stand out? Do you know what I mean? There's just guys that are good, but they're not going to make you stand out in, like certain other divisions. Right. So, yeah, um, right. I, I think it's going to be an interesting. I, I completely agree with that whole yeah, so um, I, I'm looking forward to this fight, um, and uh, for for me, I think you know um, it's good to see that you guys are here. Um, we we'll hope to see more um, American fighters. You know, we're looking at the sort of um, publicity you guys are getting, and it's been great. So we look to see more of it. Um, I don't know if you you went to the Spurs game on the weekend, but if you didn't, we'll definitely I need to get you to the Emirates because that's the rival when uh, <laughs> I think that 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 would be more suited to you. <laughs> but one thing I did want to <laughs> get your thoughts on and obviously it's a slightly a, a sad subject but we didn't get to touch on it last week was obviously the passing of um, Patrick Day uh, last week um, obviously somebody that was um, in and around the American uh, gyms I'm sure you, your, your paths crossed um, I mean how sad was that for, for the boxing community but again how proud were you in terms of how the boxing community sort of stepped up and kind of came together for that tragic loss tough for any fighter to hear about somebody losing their life because we all know that we're doing the exact same thing and we all know that we're at risk we're reminded of it every day we're reminded of it before we fight um i mean for us for, for matchroom fighters i can speak on me we gotta sign this a life insurance you know before the fight so you get a pure reminder of what you signed up for mm. and um to see it actually happen, in a, in a, in a, you know, see it actually happen when you're in, when you're submerged in the same thing, it's tough. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. But I love how how much the boxing world, like you said, has come together, has paid respect to this man. And no, you you haven't seen any slander. I haven't seen any slander of bad talk about this kid. Mm. Um, I, I, everybody, I mean, people who don't even know him have shown him love. Um, uh, Jamal Charlo reached out to pay for his whole way. It, it, you know, yeah. it's such a tragedy, but it's also um, an it's, it's an opportunity to show the love that's within this sport. Yeah. You know, because everybody's broken. Everybody's heart broke a little bit. It broke a lot, no matter what the scale is. For mm-hmm. you. Your heart broke a little bit for the kid. Exactly. Um, and his family. Because you know, yeah, yeah, you just know what goes into this. You know the dedication that goes into this. And you know the, the what, what his family is going through and things like that. So it's always tough. It's tough for a fighter. Um, and I also, not only that, but I think that these types of things bring more awareness to brain scanning and, and, and taking really looking out after these fighters more and regulating boxing more and things of that nature because you know we got to turn it and see what's the underlying causes of the causes of this yes. you're a fighter but you're not getting your brain checked constantly because that's just something that's not offered to you mm-hmm. or that's just something that's 
them is something where fighters can get these things all the time. Yeah. However they set it up, you know, the boxing world has to come together and, and really, it's hard because our, our sport is so historical. Mm. And, and fighters have been doing it the same way for centuries. But us as advanced, you know, race of human beings, uh, advance. We advance, and our generation coming up is very advanced. We need to. We need to really start looking into finding a way, finding a program or something where fighters get a brain scan every two months, every six months, whatever we can do, yeah. and use situations like this to really, you know, show the world and show the the medical world the importance of this. You know. I think the, uh, the, sad, the saddest thing about it is really that we, we probably will never know what really happened because obviously with the risks of being a fighter so high, um, like you mentioned there, having more thorough brain scans, having people uh, within the boxing industry really sign up to this uh, this rigorous program to really eradicate the risks um, of the sport, it's really tough to, to really nail down what, what was the main cause of, of this. You know, there's a lot of fighters out there that probably go through like having to deplete themselves in terms of weight um, I'm sure you probably understand yourself as a fighter having to make weight um, I mean how difficult is it really to to pin down what, what causes can be uh, eliminated from uh, from this from this game being so tough as it is already it's extremely tough because you can be absolutely perfect and just get hit with the wrong shot get knocked out and, and hit your head on the canvas wrong it could be nothing wrong with your brain, no hemorrhage, no swelling, no anything. Yeah. The actual event and what happened in the fight can be something that can take you out. So yeah. I know that's a, a big argument. I know that's a big downside of, of, of all of the monitor, monitoring and stuff of fighters because people in the medical field don't feel like, okay, we're doing all this monitoring, but you're stepping into a situation where the actual deadly thing can happen right then and there, no yeah. matter how healthy you are, you know? But so I do think... I know that. Sorry, carry on. Go ahead. No, no, sorry, carry on. You're the pro, so... Oh, no, so I was saying, yeah, like, um, I think it's going to be tough to pin, you know, it'll always be tough to figure out the, the actual cause of these things because... Um, you know, unless they have a, say they did scan your brain and they found bleeding in your brain, right? Then you wouldn't be fighting. Yeah. You just wouldn't be in fight. So, so we can, if something happens in a fight and they doing all of the scans and stuff like that, there's no way for them to, you know, really say, oh, this was this and this was that. Because if they do do all the scans and they take you out of boxing because of bleeding in the brain and stuff, then that's just going to completely cut you know, be, cut us being able to say, oh, maybe this kid already has bleeding in the brain. Maybe this kid already blah, 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 X, Y, Z. And um, I think it's just too much money involved, too many fights that have to happen and things like that for even promoters and crap to want that to happen. That's just the, that's the sad side of the game. But, yeah. you know, just like what me, what happened today, a kid pulled out of my fight and um, my promotional company is very invested in me. So, would they want me to just come here and not fight? No. And they have to be able to just pick up guys, just 
right away. Now, when they're picking up this guy right away, they're not checking him and making sure his brain is fine and making sure, um, you know, everything is good with the kid. He didn't suffer anything in his last fight. No, they're not checking that. They yeah. just ask do you want to fight? Is he cleared to fight? And, 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 and can you sign the contract? Do you want the money? And if we and if they get a little too, if they get very strict and a lot of fighters get off the market, then I guess I know that's going to be bad on promoters, you know. So maybe even that, maybe that might even be something that's really, you know, standing in the way of it. I don't know. Yeah, and I was going to say Austin because I think you touched on a good point. I think it's definitely tough to pinpoint, but I think it's about potentially just showing that we're reviewing it you're looking into it and maybe a process of an elimination i think scans in between fights are good you know i think there probably just isn't enough unity within the sport on a global level which is always going to be tough but i think at the end where we know there's a big pay scale there's big fights you know we're talking about the champion uh you're fighting for titles at the very least i think there should be a slightly more of a process if possible where there's just more scans because Again, if a fighter is in a, a guy's in a tough fight, but you know he's, he he could be having some type of internal bleeding four months later, you know again because it's for the money, he's back in the ring. You don't know what happens, so we can never blame it. Um, and I think our, the the key thing is our thoughts go out to sort of um, Patrick Day, his family, his loved ones, and obviously his fr- friends that that knew him because yeah, I'm sure they're 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 deeply missing him. So so Amo, listen um. Last point, I guess, really, we just wanted to say is, um, do you want to just shout out your social medias, uh, Instagram, Facebooks, and all of that? Yes, man. Everybody follow me. Instagram is Instagram, Twitter, and my website is all Ammo Williams. The website is ammowilliams.com. I'm Thank coming you. out with a YouTube real soon. That's going to be Ammo Williams as well, where I put up a lot of things, you know, um, day in a life. And, yeah. my roads to these fights and you know things that cover like my journeys out to UK things like that I know all the fans really want to see that so be on the lookout for that appreciate um, that's pretty much it Facebook and my Williams too that's about it perfect so listen good luck on the weekend um I'm sure you're gonna hopefully get the great news and get a great victory. Um, it would be great to maybe if we can, maybe we'll come out to you guys, maybe get a little another interview, uh, just on the post fight. But definitely looking forward to seeing how your career progresses moving forward, and uh, all the best for Saturday. Yes, thank you guys so much for the time. Thank you for the uh, publicity. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you very much. Appreciate right. that. Thank you. Cheers. 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 Hey Tom, so um, no good interview, man. You can see this is a, a young boxer that's got not a lot to, to a lot to say for himself. Not in a cheeky or um, conf- arrogant way, but you know he's got strong no, confidence and um, smart, sort of like good head on his shoulder. So um, really interesting um, conversation there. So let's run through the fights before everyone goes through. So I think we've got to start pro grade Taylor um, after the bit, yeah. better beer review. Um, what's your thoughts on that fight uh, this weekend, Tom? Well, yeah, and no, even like Ammo, Ammo touched on in, in the interview, you know, it's, it's often a, a saying in boxing, a cliche, um, it's, the, it's the shots you don't see that do the most damage. And I think Regis Progress probably demonstrated that in his last few fights. Um, like you said, the, the, the win against Carol Relic was, a, was a, a win that really projected himself onto, onto the, big, the big stage and really showed that he is a, he is a formidable 
uh, puncher just as well as a boxer that he credits himself for. So I, I generally can't pick this one. It's, it's a 50-50 fight that I think if you look at throughout the course of the year, fights that have been been put together really coined as 50-50 matchups, you probably won't get any more closer to one than this. Um, I think Josh Taylor comes into this fight with a lot of momentum. I've said that about his last few fights. You know, the, the real the step up in class he's had back to back consecutive wins against top uh, top uh, quality opponents. But I think um, if I'm if I'm going to sway towards someone, it's probably going to be Josh Taylor. I think on experience, I think what he's gained thus uh, far, I think his um, his style, his his ring generalship, his IQ is really um, that of a of someone who's probably passed just being a world champion, someone that's gone on to to win multiple uh, world titles at multiple weights. So, um, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm really looking forward to it um, this weekend. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to choose, hard to call. I can make a case for both. So. Yeah, no, um, and on that, I think I'm going to try to make the case for Progre. I think I was leaning towards Progre. I've kind of, I won't like this. In the build-up, I've been going back and forth. I've been looking at a lot of fights, and there is a little in in it, and that's why I kind of said, you know, who was there to fight when Taylor says you fought nobody? Because, you know, if you were to go back and say when Josh Taylor beat Ahara Davis, Ahara Davis was a WBC silver champion. He was going into that year, um, what is probably like, was one of the hottest prospects. And I think we could probably say he's not delivered on that sort of like promise that was being projected back then. So I think, you know, who, in terms of availability, I think you've got to give Prograde more credit than, and I'm glad that actually uh, William said, uh, Emma William said this, I think he's being underrated because wins like Rillick and Indongo are big wins. I know uh, Rillick had a close fight with Burns and lost, but that was a very close fight and you could probably, I mean, I wouldn't say there was a case for him to win, but it was a lot closer than the scorecards uh, had it. That's one thing I remember. Ndongo had only lost to Crawford, who was a beast, and Ndongo came on the scene with uh, uh, as a big power puncher, knocking out Trovinovsky early, early doors. So, for me, I started to think about it, and I thought, you know what, Progre, one thing that he's done against taller fighters, because again, you know, Taylor has the size um, in terms of height and reach advantage, um, but what Progre does really well, maybe it's because he's fighting orthodox as opposed to southpaw, is that he really closes the distance and he shifts and bobs and weaves at close distance really well and is able to counter um, to a strong effect. So I think where this also is an interesting fight for me is, and this is what one thing I'm not sure of, is how does Josh Taylor deal with southpaws? Because he himself is a southpaw, and usually he has yeah. the advantage going up against the orthodox boxer. So how will he face against a southpaw who is shorter so he will struggle to, to potentially hit the target? Um, so I think overall... Yeah. Listening to Amos say about speak about the power, I think I'm starting to lean even more heavily to Pro, pro Grape because I think I think they know they need to get the knockout to win. Um, and as you uh-huh. led into your sort of like uh, 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 um, uh, speech, was that really for me? Um, it's the shots that don't see you that will hurt you. And I think Josh Taylor's definitely coming for a fight. I think mentally he's a bit agitated, which for me is never really a great sign. Um, I think he uh-huh. wants it not too much, but I think. He's, I think, I think he's over, he's overlooking the opponent because Progre probably doesn't have a name of, of a Crawford. Do you know what I mean? But my point, my, my question to Taylor would be: if you weren't fighting Progre, in my opinion, is the number one or number two in the division? Who else would you fight? So it's not about who he's fought. This is one of your tough, t- 
toughest competitors in your division. So uh, focus on what's in front of you and not what's behind him. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that fight. Um, I think it's going to be. Uh, I really think it's going to be. I think it's going to deliver. Um, in no two ways about. It. I think it's going to deliver because of Taylor's skill set. You know, he is a slick boxer. Um, he puts his shots together really well. Um, but I think he can get hit. So that's where I see Progre having success. Um, clearly, yeah. but for for the knockout. Um, I think also on that card we've got Chisora versus Price. I mean, this is again another. Uh, you could argue this is another pick and fight for different reasons. Um, what's your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm going to edge towards uh, Chisora on this one. I think with um, this this new brand, uh, War Chisora, uh, his mentality, uh, his preparation is is a lot is a lot stronger than what uh, he has has proven in the past. I think Price is. Again, it's the, it's, the, it's the occasion. How much is that going to get to him? Is he going to be able to adapt? Is he going to be able to control uh, mm. Chisora's aggression coming forward? Um, I mean, these guys were tipped to, to fight each other years ago, and I think now the perfect time is for Chisora to to get a win of this this uh, stature and move on. Um, I think he's a lot more motivated. He seems a lot more uh, agile, a lot more mobile, and I think he can cause price problems if he... Um, gets on the inside early, uh, works the body, um, and try and really put it on Price because you know what Price is like. He's 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 considered uh, one of the biggest punches, but again, it's how he's going to able to cope on the night. Is he going to have the 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 balance of um, performing and also just kind of blocking out all the the outside influence to really focus on the job at hand? So. Mm. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna swing towards uh, Chisora on this one. Yeah, and again, it's it's a tough one because. I also half feel that I don't. It's t- 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 a, a half of me feels that Chisora could be overlooking Price. Um, I think because Price, yeah. whilst if we look at his sort of last four or five fights, you would argue clear it should be a Chisora win. But I think with Chisora, it's always which Chisora turns up. I don't know if there should be any red flags around the fact he doesn't really have a trainer. We don't know who's really going to be in his corner. Um, and the reason I say that is because again, from a Price perspective, as much as Chisora's a bit more of a bulldozer, brawler type fighter. Um, I think if yeah. Price can do what everyone's always asked him to do, which is just use your jab, I think he will make it a bit of a frustrating night for Chisora. Because um, Chisora struggles to get inside of people's jabs. You know, we've seen that, um, although he's fought world class opponents, but we've seen the number one thing they've done is made sure they've kept their jab at length. Um, even in some of the Dillian White fights, that's what Dillian White was doing. So, um, yeah, I. I, I'm with you. I want I, I want to go for, for Chisora, but I, something's telling me that we could see a bit of an upset. Um, um, we could see a bit of an upset, especially if there's not a knockout. Um, and is there going to be a knockout? Well, hard to say. Um, in my opinion, um, it is it is hard to say. You would hope so, but it could also be one of those fights. It's, if Price just sticks at the jab, because you know he's going to be thinking to himself. You know, there's announcements of the WBO. You know, both guys are going to want to think to themselves. They can get in with a shot for um, a world title sh- uh, opportunity, and you would argue that Price is probably more of a valuable asset than Chisora in terms of Price's ability to sell tickets um, if he can yeah. go in a good run of form. So, so yeah, so it's going to be an interesting one. Um, but I think, like you, I'm going to go with Chisora. Um, so moving on, we're going to move on to the Ricky Burns versus Lee Selby again, another domestic dust up, which is. Um, yeah, if you if you if you if you if you're a bit of a boxing pugilist, you'll under, you'll like this one because it's all about that reemergence of Lee Selby. 
Um, I mean, I think going into this, um, when I heard that this fight was being announced, I was a bit surprised. Um, not because Ricky Burns is a dangerous opponent, but I think Ricky Burns would raise his game for the opportunity to fight at the O2 on a big night against a quality operator like Lee Selby. So, I mean, from your point of view, um, is it important that Lee Selby, and I'm going to say it bluntly, is it important that he probably stops Ricky Burns to kind of show that he's levels above and he's got higher ambitions? Yeah, I'd expect to see a dominant performance, but like you said, a re-emergence is probably the best way to uh, to describe this one, really, because Ricky Burns, in all fairness, hasn't really got anything left to prove because he's, he's done it all. He's, he's four-weight, three-weight world champion, whereas Lee Selby's coming off the back of a, a kind of a run of form where you can't think how much motivation has he got left to, to ignite his, his push for world honours. But I think... Like you said, moving up two weights might have been done in the the world of good, made him a stronger fighter. He's obviously gone out to LA to do some sparring out at the uh, the wildcard gym. So, I mean, if you kind of put all them them uh, aspects together, you, you'd expect to see Selby really kind of with the the freshness and the the youth to, to come through that. And I think with Burns, he's probably thinking if I can get a win over Selby, I might have another. And that's the thing, you know, when you, I think from from Burns' perspective, it is an opportunity to get, you know, again, under the lights and a payday, um, but again, raise your raise your game for a worthy opponent. But for Selby, I think, yeah, again, if he doesn't show, you know, an impressive performance, for me, I think when I look at that division, obviously you've got Lomachenko that's kind of reigning supreme, but you've still got Komi, who's also a world champion, rightly so. You've got Devin Haney, who's now in the mix. You've got a Lopez. Um, there are fighters in that division, you know, Mario Barrios. You've got guys there that, you know, that are around that area, sorry. Um, uh, Mario Barrios is a division above. Um, that, yeah, that, that that are tough fights, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens um, and how that fight kind of goes out and, and how it plays out for Selby. Because, um, yeah, he's a man that, if he can kind of rise to the top again, I think he would be one of those interesting fighters that we all like to get behind. Um, so other than that, um, I think obviously we've paid our, our, our tributes to, to Pat Day, which obviously was a sad, sad passing. Um, and, you know, our thoughts go out to his his, his family and his friends. Um, I think from the boxing world, um, the other news to talk about um, was obviously the Matchroom show. Um, I think you asked Amo Williams the question around Cheeseman. What were your thoughts on that Cheeseman Fitzgerald fight? Yeah, it was it was a bit of a, a controversial uh, ending, uh, to say the least. I think Cheeseman boxed the perfect opening six rounds, but then really didn't. It's a matter of whether did he let it slip? Did he get a bit too complacent that he bagged the the, the first six and thought he could kind of. You know, nick a few rounds here and there. I thought he he won. In terms of the first five rounds, he won four to one. I thought Fitzgerald looked a bit flat. He didn't look uh, his usual shot 
Tate was starting to cheese me and he started to come out of the blocks a lot quicker and I thought he, he definitely won the last three or four rounds so it's a matter of where you, you, I mean do you do you kind of settle for Cheeseman's uh, control boxing or do you do you favour the the come forward uh, volume of work that Fitzgerald just showed in the last few rounds and I think as well you've got to take into consideration the, the boxing politics with this one obviously people want to see the rematch uh, between Fowler and Fitzgerald Cheeseman never has really got the rub of the green uh, from from uh, Sky, sort of Sky and the way they've they've kind of analysed the the fight, but I think really the, you can't really argue with the the. I, I personally thought Cheeseman nicked it, but you couldn't argue a draw, and I don't think you could probably argue a one, one or two rounds either way for Fitzgerald. I just think it was one of those fights where Cheeseman kind of looked in control, but then did let it slip a bit, and uh, I think Fitzgerald then kind of just took advantage and capitalised on that. The fact that Cheeseman was able to kind of off him and not really throw as many punches as what he'd done prior to the uh, the sort of seventh eighth uh, round and I think Fitzgerald used that as as fuel to, to kind of catch the eye of the judges for, for that work that work rate yeah no and um, I think um, you, you, you're right on that I think Cheeseman started well um, I think the key thing was when Fitzgerald was able to land his more power shots um it just seemed that they phased Cheeseman a little bit and I just felt, <coughs> I know some people felt that he was running, I think, look, it's good movement, but yeah, he, because you, he, he couldn't sustain, yeah, exactly, and then because it wasn't sustained um, in, in, in the later rounds, um, so you kind of saw him slow down, yeah. I, I could see why, I did think, again, like you, I, I don't know if it's because, um, I think, I like, I think Cheeseman is a decent little fighter, so, I don't know whether I was a bit more favorite. I had a bit of favoritism for him, but um, yeah, I thought I thought that he just it was close, especially when I heard the way the scorecards went. I felt yeah that you know some of them were close. Um, bit disappointed yeah. with the way he rushed out, you know. Um, but yeah, again, it's an emotional sport, so probably it's better he did that than he kind of started kicking a fuss up in the ring. So yeah. moving from there, and yeah, we will we'll, 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 we'll see that rematch. It's probably looking likely now. Um, we'll see that rematch, Fowler Fitzgerald. Um, let the guys get a big payday and it'll probably do an MEN arena or something like that. So, you know, looking forward to that. Um, and uh, this weekend, um, obviously, we've got the big one as we as we discussed. Um, but, yeah, I think it should be another opportunity for the UK to kind of showcase um, a quality boxing night for not just the American fighters taking part, but for the American fans watching overseas. Definitely. Yeah, so, um, so listen, we're going to make a move, but I appreciate... Um, we've got this interview with Amma Williams. Thanks again for yeah. to Tom for, for for joining the show. And uh, look forward to being in the studio next week when we should have a couple more guests. And we'll look out for some more exciting news. So, as always, guys, don't forget to follow Raps on TV, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, where you can subscribe and help us grow. We Thank really you, appreciate that. Take care, guys. Take care. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. 
sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.